So they remember every word that he spoke to them. So if you've never read this, if you've never heard this, it's not there for him to bring back. Yes, that doesn't mean he can't work with you. He can. Because when we're born again, we are that new creation. We're back. Because when, when, when God first decided to take that dust and form man and to breathe in his mouth, he said, let us make man our own image. That doesn't mean we look like God. That means we're a representative form or figure of him. We are developed to represent him to be here. And we're going to start in 2 Corinthians. Very familiar scripture to both of y'all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to start with verse 14. Can you get there if you would, please? Stand for the reading of God. I'll read 14 through 21, but I'll have you sit down after 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, they that which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Y'all help me pray for Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Thank you for the first that made the effort to come out. Lord, just give me the word that you would have me say. Let me speak this in a way that will not only bring glory to you, but that it will be understood and land in a receiving heart. That it may help help us each with our own personal walk with you, Lord. But it may give us something to share with a dying, hurting world. We love you and praise you and give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Verse 14 there says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. That word I'm not going to insult you by trying to pronounce the Greek word. But it literally means, constraineth us, literally means to urge men to follow Christ. I'm going to be honest, I have never really urged anyone. I've witnessed to people. I've even had the, the privilege of the Lord opening doors for me to lead someone in the prayer center and helping me cry. But I don't know that I've ever really urged anybody. Because to urge somebody, you're putting forth a continuous effort. How many of us, even in the church, somebody comes in, they, you get out for you, they, they pray with them. How many of us really follow up when we witness to somebody? And it, I'm not talking about a stranger. I'm talking about people we know. When we invite someone to church, and they show up to church, they come a few times. How many of us really invest the time to visit with that person? To encourage that person. What I'm talking about is discipleship. Does discipleship even really exist in the church today? I'm going to be honest. I don't, I'm not taking any active part in with discipling. And we're all disciples of Christ if we're believers. Right. After the word disciple literally comes out to mean an avid learner of Christ. I don't know how avid some people are. But do we really urge men? Do we really encourage them? Verse 15. This is where it gets into that new, that new person. And that he died for all, that he be in Christ, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Verse 16. Wherefore henceforth, no, we know, we know no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know him no more. That after flesh means literally just human reasoning. You know, that's why when I hear people talk about someone else's salvation, it, it kind of makes me take a step back. We don't know. There is no way. Just as I said earlier, we can't change another person's heart. We can't truly change what someone is. That's the reason so many marriages fail. Well, I don't really like that he does this, or I don't really like that she does that, but it will change over time. Probably not. 
But when you to know no man in the flesh, that's human reasoning. And notice it says, Tune for under them. But, uh, I'm sorry. And that, let me get back to verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. Now, my commentary is, is the one point that I disagree with. I think that phrase, knowing Christ after the flesh, is just a statement that he was fully human when he walked this earth. He was flesh and blood just like we are. He was tempted in every way we were. The only different him and us is he resisted fully temptation. He never yielded to it. He never did anything wrong. But if he was not flesh and blood, he would not have been a sacrifice. And he had to die. He had to be human. And that's what that statement means. Now, I may be completely wrong. But that's just another 50 cents worth of opinion. But to know no man after flesh, so we can't look necessarily. We don't know what that person is going through. You might just only see that person right after they had the worst news they imagined. You might only see that person at, at a bad time in their life. But how many of us judge by appearance? We can't do that. We cannot judge someone's heart. And so when you talk about someone else's salvation, yes, not, I know a lot of the old church and we're not fruit inspectors, but we should be because the Bible makes it plain we know someone by their fruit. And that's why I think about a tree. Now, if I see a leaf, I can, some trees, I, some trees I can tell by the bark what they are. You let me see the fruit of it, I can guarantee you I know what it is. So, yes, we can judge another person. Let me rephrase that. We can know a little bit more about that person or what they show us. But we can never judge the intent of their heart. We don't know. As the old Indian said, it's never judge a man she walk a mile in his shoe. You don't know what someone else is going through. So we know no man after the flesh. And that's all we have advantage to. And once again, you may only see that person right after something terrible. Now, some people know, so thank you, Lord, I won't say that. It might get personal. But yet henceforth we know him no more. And that is Christ. We know Christ no more. But Christ is now back fully spirit. We now have access to the Holy Spirit. That's like a very popular radio program I love to listen to. It amazes me how they always say all the time, why do, you know, why is Christ and Him crucified the defining moment in Christian's life? Why? You know, simple. Jesus said to himself, if I go not away, the comfort cannot come. If Jesus hadn't died and ascended back to heaven, we wouldn't have access to the Holy Spirit. I'm not a real smart man. That's clear to me. That's right. The Holy Spirit guiding and directing us is how we can face the problem. You know, being a new year, you may have a decision you need to make or want to make. I saw, I, I love reading church signs. There's a lot of good gospel, a lot of silliness. But I, years ago, I saw somebody saw a sign. It wasn't a church sign. If you're struggling with a problem, stop trying and start trusting. To me, that simple phrase, stop trying to start trusting, sums up Christ and Him crucified as a victory to anything. Because we fully trust in the Lord, and we truly believe what this word says. The pastor said this morning when Jesus said it is finished. Not only was the plan of salvation, everything we need for salvation was done. Everything we need for victorious living, every sin we ever have or will commit, the victory has been applied for. Glory to it God. is finished. Yes. So, but if we have to fast, 
And there's nothing wrong with fasting. But if we have to fast so many days to get this victory, that fasting is what I trust in, not the finished work. That's right. If we have to come to the altar to feel better about our sin, that altar is what we're putting our faith in, and there's nothing wrong. We should spend more time at the altar. I'm going to be honest. I sometimes feel a little convicted that I don't come to the altar more. If for no other reason, what a greater place than a place that we have suffered. There's nothing but wood. There's nothing special about these altars. But it's the place that we have chosen in this church to kneel before God. Yes. That's in my mind. Yes, that's true. What a better place is because, Lord, I thank you. I have no problem this week. Everything's great. But do we really do that? Come on. Do we really trust in the finished work of Christ? Or are we still, thank you, Lord, when we have to fast to try to get the victory, when we have to do this to try to get the victory, when we have to have this person lay hands on us, that person lay hands on us, what we're really doing is we're no longer trusting in the Lord, we're trusting in the flesh. I've heard people say, well, yeah, if I could actually touch Jesus' garment, I know I could be healed. Huh. If brother so-and-so would pray for me, yeah, come on. if sister so-and-so, I've known people that, and there's nothing wrong with going to revivals, run all over the country chasing certain ministers. There's nothing wrong with that in itself. God has blessed and anointed a lot of wonderful people to spread his gospel. But when you're going really to that person and not the method you're going to hear, That's right. what are you doing? Yes. You're trusting in the flesh. That's right. right. Blessing God. Verse 17. This is the verse that came to me this morning. When I, and I, no, I didn't know I was going to preach this morning. But the verse that always, because it's probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But when I'm thinking of a New Year's message, it was verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Therefore, if any man, of course, that means human, not male, ladies. If, and once again, y'all heard me say this a dozen times, if to me is the most powerful word in the English language. If I hadn't done this, that wouldn't happen. If I would only listen to my, this wouldn't happen. If always, almost always hinges. On either victory or not. So if any man be in Christ, what that tells me is not everybody will be. Not everybody that comes to church is in Christ. They may be in church. And as I've heard said many times, most people, if you ask the question, are you a Christian? What's the first thing going to be out of their mouth? Well, I go to the First Baptist Church. I go to Jesus Lord Family Worship Center. Right. I, I, I would say 90% of the time that's the answer you would give. So are they really in Christ? Are they in church? I'm not saying they're not saved. I have no way of knowing that. But to me, being a Christian is being Christ-like. Yeah. Not being Pentecostal or Baptist or Methodist or anything else. Being Christian is being Christ-like. And, and I love the fact that, think about it. Y'all know this. That's not a Christian the early church gave themselves. They were called Christians. Why? Because that people saw them acting like Christ. That brings up another valid point of talking about being a new creature. Think about it. These people that didn't know Christ, these people that were pagan, probably worshipped idols, knew what Christ did. Yeah. And this is the day when it took months and weeks and months for news to travel. So how did that word get there? How did these people know that? Because they saw it in other people. We've all heard the saying, 
You may be the only Bible some people ever read. That's right. And I hate to say it, and that, that thought blows my mind. That some people, because I'm going to be honest, I have a trouble with the idea that people don't know the Word. I didn't grow up in a church family, but I read this Bible from cover to cover before I ever got saved. You know, not because I was searching for something, or I was hungry for something. You know why? I was bored, and I was in a motel room, and I, there's a Bible there. But I think it was free. Simple truth. And I thought it kind of interesting, because I've always been a reader, so I said, hey, I'm just going to read this. You know, I've read it a couple of times since then, but really, I'm ashamed to say this. You know, it's been years since I read it from cover to cover. We should never stop reading this, but many of us have. But are we truly new creation? If you want to be a new you in 2023, and that just blows my mind to say 2023. It is crazy. I feel like I'm talking about some science fiction. Uh, it is crazy. But we're in 2023. If you truly want to be a new creation, grow in Christ. Yes. If you're not happy with your life, if you're not happy with who you are, grow in Christ. Yes, amen. Doesn't mean your life will be perfect. Nowhere. I can't think of a scripture that shows us we'll ever have everything perfect. We'll never hurt. We'll never want. Until we get to heaven. So if you're tired of this old life. If you're ready for the rapture to take place. Get someone saved. Because Jesus will not come back. till that last person accepts him. Because he knows each and every person. That will accept him. So if you're ready to go home. Get someone saved. That may be the one that. The last name of the book. But verse 18. And all things are of God. Once again I love the word all. All things. Not some things. All things, the good things in your life are of God, the bad things in your life are of God. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So if you don't know what your calling is, everybody read 2 Corinthians 5.18 for themselves. I'm going to read it for you. All things and all things are of God who has given us to himself, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Here and simply, it's our ministry, it's our God-given calling, because it just says, and God who has... Our direct calling from God is reconciliation. Notice that the ministry of reconciliation. So our life should be about, and all that simply means, is reconciling, letting people see the difference between living for the world and living for God. Letting people see the difference your life was before and now. Yes, the hardest group to witness to is those that know you the best. Right. But then again, those are the ones that are looking the closest. That's right. Because they know me. See, people that I work they knew who I was before. <laughs> they knew how I talked. They knew how I did this. And now when they started seeing me not, as I shared with you once before, when I first got saved, this one guy I worked with, he said, yep, yeah, oh Ford, he doesn't find Christianity. I'm going to have to go home and dust that old King James Bible mama gave me and make sure he's practicing what he's preaching. Guess what? He didn't. I mean, every day he would come with some nitpicky little thing. Because normally the old me would have just blew up and argued with him. I said, well, I don't know about that. 
But the next day I gave him an answer. Guess what? The boy's living for Christ now. Right. Boy, say, boy, he's older than I. But he's living for Christ now. He set out. To and he did. I mean, there were many times I'd have to just, y'all heard me say it, literally bite my tongue because I was going to grab that mic and that CB and give him what for. Because that's what I live for. They knew that. If when we were running long runs and we got bored, guess what somebody do? They'd say stuff they'd get old Ford stirred up. And what they didn't know, I was sitting in there laughing and carrying on. They thought I was mad as well with him. I was sitting there laughing. That was my entertainment. That's what I live for. Maybe my wife would say I still a little bit today. <laughs> I do like getting people dander up a little bit. I do like aggravating. But, so, I'm new, but I'm not. Now this is going to be like maybe a wrong statement, but I really feel in my heart that it's going to resonate with someone. Yes, I'm a new creation, but there's still enough of the old me that I still feel like me, if that makes sense. Because even though I did a lot wrong, <clears throat> I never... I don't want to say this. Help me here, Lord. Some people hate themselves for the way they live. Some people so beat themselves up, it may not be noticeable, it may not be conscious, but I truly feel some people so beat themselves up over what they've done. And they can't forgive, even after they come to Christ, they really can't forgive themselves. And as I've shared with you before, there was a point that I did have to say, Lord, take this shame from me. Because there was things in my life that, that I carried. And it was hampering me. And the minute I said that, that shame left me. There was a point, there was a person I had to forgive. Hadn't thought about it in years. The pastor was preaching on forgiveness. And I got, I, I mean, I felt my blood pressure. I literally got angry. That came back to me. Who do you think brought that memory back to me? Satan was sitting in that church pew right next to me. And I was, I, I was getting angry. I was thinking about what I would do to that person if I met him. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. that if you'll just forgive that person, it'll be different. And I literally, you know, right, I didn't get up. I didn't move. I just under my breath said, Lord, and I called him by name. Hadn't thought I would in 20 years. Called him by name. Said, Lord, I forgive this person. Bless whatever he's doing. And that anger just left me. Mm -hmm. That's when you know you're a new person. It's the personal thing. It's not what you show the world that really solidifies your walk with Christ. It's what you see yourself. Because most of us know ourselves. We won't admit it. But most of us know. Because see, I know what I think. Mm -hmm. I know what I did. But when you can see yourself and see the change in yourself, that's when. Because just think about it. Because most of us keep things hidden. And when we let our guard down enough, when we forgive ourselves, that starts, what do you think others see in us? When they see that person that never smiles, they're always cranky and grumpy, all of a sudden, they got to smile. They go, they're a little lighter step. Come on. They start seeing the new Christian. That's the greatest witness. There's Yes, we should be able to share scripture. We should be able to help people find the answer in the Bible. But the greatest witness, and until someone can show me in this word that I'm wrong, I'm a believer with all my heart, the stronger witness and the greater witness we'll ever give than any, stronger than any scripture we'll ever share is what they see in you. When they can see Christ in this old 
especially the way I was. I mean, I was, I was loud. I mean, you know, as Brother Eel once told me, you know, I said, so I see the Brother Eel, because he knew my dad. He knew me both my life. He knew my dad for years. I said, so I said, you Brother Eel, when I think back how I used to live and the way I talk, he said, well, boy, how can you talk any other way? You was raised up. If you said five words, three of them had to be cuss words. But see, my daddy thought it was funny when he was around his drinking buddies mm -hmm. to see how good Johnny could cuss. They, that, 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 that was his entertainment. So I was raised up thinking that was okay. Luckily, and not from any, any outside source, what I'm thinking to say, I think, shows how the Holy Spirit works in the life of an unbeliever. I did a lot of bad things. Got caught for some of them. Most of them I didn't. But I, there was something in me always knew it was wrong. And when I was around my daddy and his old drinking buddies, yeah, there was, when I think of the thing that came out of my mouth before I was 16 years old, it appalled me when I was around women. And I was not taught this. They very rarely heard me say those. My friends' parents thought I was the nicest young man they ever seen. And that's, I guess, the greatest shame of my life. Because when I, or the greatest source of victory, I knew I wasn't. But they thought I was the nicest thing because I was, yes, ma'am, Mrs. So and so, yeah. Oh, just would you please? And, I, and my, my mouth just dripped with honey. <laughs> I, I've had parents, when I was a teenager, call me and ask me to hang out with their kids because they thought I was the nicest thing. I wasn't always, but I always, there was always something in me that showed respect. There was always something in me that showed me what I was doing was wrong. And that is nothing but, that was, oh, you just had a, you know, people that know me, but we just always had more of a conscience than we had. Mm -hmm. No, I don't believe that was conscience. I believe that was the Holy Spirit yes, in my life. Because once again, if I hadn't done this, this would have happened. <clears throat> if doing this, or I should say by doing this, other things happen. So yes, don't give up. And, and, and I'm guilty of this. This is my greatest struggle. So y'all pray for this one thing for old John this year. I have a hard time holding out on people. I hold out, you know, because it's not that I give up. I, I've never been guilty of saying, well, they're beyond help. But I have a hard time showing compassion for people that have heard the gospel, that have felt the Lord's touch, and it's evident in their life, but yet they still just live a lifestyle of sin. Well, be honest, that, that's my struggle. So y'all pray for me. But as long as there's breath in their body, but the danger to it is, and I'm going to close with this, the danger of making this statement, I almost cringe when I hear it. Well, at least they know, they, they felt the Lord's touch. They know, they know the word, they've been to church. <clears throat> I almost cringe when I hear that because I know every time they hear the word, every time they feel the Lord's touch, and reject it, they're getting one step closer to being turned over to a reprobate mind. Yeah. They're getting one step closer because we resist the Lord long enough. He will draw the line. As, as, a, as a, somebody I thought of him as an uncle, because you know, a friend of my dad, and you know, I heard his wife verify that. I heard a pastor say it. He always helped build the church. He was always he wouldn't go to church. Was not a had no desire for Christianity, but he was always there to help. And the preacher would be trying to say, "Oh, hold, hold on now, preacher, 
We're not here for none of that. We're doing, we're laying brick, we're hanging sheetrock. But when he would lay on his bed, that same preacher was trying to witness to him. He said, he said, you can stop right there. He said, there was a time, every time you would try to share Jesus with me, I'd feel something. He said, but I don't feel a thing now. That's a harsh reality. According to God's word, when you're turned over to a reprobate mind, when you can know your heart is so hard, the word no longer penetrates you. And so I cringe every time I hear someone say, well, at least they felt the Lord's touch. That's a dangerous place. Now, we, have, we can't stop. We can't stop praying for that person. We can't stop being a witness for them. And we, I'm going to be honest, I think if I would be a little more loving towards certain people, if I make it easier, I hope I'm not hindering anybody. But I may well be. This is about new start. This is about being a new you in 2023. So that's what I need to work on. Because I believe just as much as our witness can help people, I believe we can hurt people just as much. Because I'm going to be honest. I've never, when it comes to church hurt, we've all heard saying, a person that's lost, they can say what they want to about me. But when that pastor... When someone in church does something awful to you, that's a hurt that's hard to get over. Amen. Hard to get over. Because why? Because we expect more out of them. It may be not right, but we do. We expect more out of people in the church, especially when they're your pastor. And when we hurt, so every time we don't show, now we're human. We're human. We can't always be perfect every time, but we need to strive showing more love. And now that's, a, once again, it's a fine line because showing love and compassion, understanding for somebody has to stop when it comes to enabling them. Mamas have hurt and kept more people in the wrong lifestyle than anything by always making it possible. So we need to be prayerful about it when we have lost loved ones. As I said earlier, we need to stop trying to win our lost loved ones. We need to start trusting the Lord that he will, but we also have to face the fact that they may not. And, and I just really feel that needs to sink into somebody. Never stop praying for them, because we don't know, once again, we don't know their heart. I'll never stop praying. There's people in my life that, I'm going to be honest, I don't because they don't think they're doing anything wrong. For me to admit and come to Christ, I had to realize what I was doing wasn't right. You're not going to change anything until you realize it's wrong. But we, we don't know what their heart is, so we have to keep praying for them. We have to keep encouraging them. So in this new year, realize if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. When that old flesh comes back up, just put it down. And let's say, if you're facing any struggle... Stop trying to get the victory and realize you've already got it and act it. And, and that sounds so simple because it is. <laughs> whatever it is, if it's smoking, or if it's whatever it is, if you truly believe in Christ and believe his word, you've already got that victory. So you just have to act it. Like I heard someone say, a wonderful woman say one time, she said, you know, she saw me. I said, he said, how are you doing, Brother Josh? I'm all right, but I'm trying to get sick. She said, what? 
oh, I feel like I'm trying to get sick. Well, stop trying. You won't get sick. <laughs> the same thing is opposite. If we truly believe we have the victory, why not walk in that victory? That's right. Yeah. It may take you six months to throw that cigarette down. But if you truly believe you've got the victory, act like it. Yes. Or whatever it is. Probably doesn't apply here. That's probably a poor example. Oh, is that Brother Leon? That's all I have.